Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Come on, who's ready for Gold Digger Part 3? This is our last sermon in the Gold Digger series. Everyone say, aww because it was such a great sermon. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first and second installments of the Gold Digger series, it's worth a listen. Check it out on the podcast, Apple, or if you have a dreaded Android device like myself, you're on Podbean, and you can listen to it there. But it's been an impactful service. It's all about, hey, how do we go from chasing paper to chasing purpose? Had some powerful messages. First message we talked about that money isn't always that what it's cracked up to be and how it doesn't really satisfy. And then last week, how many of you guys were here last week? Come on, how would I know if you're lying? If you were here last week, we had a powerful message. It was, uh, it was show me the money. Show me the money. We, had, uh, we equipped some people to be able to go out and bless their city to last week. We'll be talking about that a little bit, uh, but we got a great message in store for you today. We're gonna be talking out of John chapter six. Who has her Bible this morning? Lift it up in the air, let me see it. There you go. It's important to read your Bible. If your Bible's on your phone and you're going to be following on your phone, lift it up. That's fine too. It's great to have your Bible. Great to read your Bible. Bring your Bible to church. It's not wrong to bring your Bible to church. Bring your Bible wherever you go. I mean, if you want, you can, or you can have it on your phone. It's important to read your Bible. God speaks through the Word of God. This is the bread of life. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the bread of life. And if you don't spend your time daily reading the Bible, you live your life malnourished. It's important to get into the Word of God, reading it daily. Get a Bible reading plan, whether it be three minutes a day, five minutes a day. Find a verse, just get in the Word of God. But we're going to be reading out of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we are going to be starting in verse 5. This is the only, one of the only stories other than the crucifixion and resurrection that is listed in all four Gospels. All four Gospels. I think they're trying to say something here that all these guys are mentioning the same story. And we're going to start in John chapter 6, verse 5. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. That'll preach. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not be enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will it go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. So that's 5,000 men. So that didn't include all the women and children that were along with them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. If I were you, I would underline that, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had eaten enough, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
Can I tell you that that's the goal of everything? For us to be able to lift high the name of Jesus and for people to be able to see who Jesus is and actually profess and proclaim who he is. Who has came into the world, Jesus knowing that what they intended to do, come and take him by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Have a great topic for you guys today. First topic of buyers uh, was a uh, of gold digger was buyer's remorse. Last week it was show me the money, and this week turn to your neighbor and say these words: say there is more where that came from. There is more where that came from. Let's pray today. God, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. God, it is sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. God, I thank you that how you speak, you'll speak a thousand messages through me today. God, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear, open up our eyes to see you for who you really are. God, any presuppositions we have about money or what we have about our resources that we have, God, I pray that we would look our eyes, fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, God. We thank you and we love you. Just right now, church, just open up your hands and say these words. Say, Lord... Speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word of God this morning. How many of you guys ever heard of open source development? Open source development, that's your, <laughs> that's my job. Open source development. Open source is, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't correct me. To my knowledge, has, it's, it's where we collaborate with the, the masses to produce a product that makes it best deliverable in its final state. Is that right? Hey, there we go. It's, we combine everyone together. So basically, I, I test a product amongst 100 people, 1,000 people, and I basically hear from them how they think. We see this in the video game industry when they release alphas, betas, for the most part, help them work out all the kinks. And how I've seen this is this kind of relates to church, is that we all come together into the house of God, contributing as an open source to advance the kingdom of God. The Bible says that he's equipped some prophets, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists, some apostles to be able to proclaim good works, do good works, and be able to basically reach and transform the city. So it's a bunch of people coming together to make an impact. And within that, it's a bunch of people coming together also to contribute to something to make an impact, whether it be your times, your talents, or your resources. That's what I consider open source development. And what I've seen is that as all of us come together as a church, all of us coming together can do so much more than just one person alone. That there's strength in unity, there's strength in people, there's strength in people coming together towards a common purpose, towards a common mission. So what I'm going to be talking about today is in regards to giving in regards to what it means to be chasing, rather than chasing paper, but chasing purpose, there's this one important principle that God had put upon our hearts, upon the church, upon the people of God, and that is the tithe. We are called to bring the tithe. When we're bringing the tithe, it's all a bunch of people coming together to bring the tithe into the house of God. Notice, notice I'm saying bring and not give. I'm saying bring and not give. Because if I give you something, if I gave something to Pastor Casey here, and I said, now, hey, now I want you to give it back to me, is he really giving it back, or is he much as just bringing it back to me who gave it to him to begin with? It's important that we understand that concept, that who really owns what we have? Who really owns? Have we been given it to it, or are we a steward of it? And I want to share from you, I got several scripture verses to be able to share with you today, and the first one we have is in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There's that word. 
bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says to test me. I think he's serious when he's mentioning that, if this is the only place where it says to test me. God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. It almost sounds like something a parent would say to their kid, but in a negative uh, function. See if I won't. You keep doing that and see if I won't. Come down and smack your butt. Ground you for a year. See if I won't. But God is saying this in a positive context. He's saying, and see if I will not. See if I won't. You got to test him to see if he won't. And he says to test me in this. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Another translation says he will rebuke the devourer for you. And I want to be able to speak to this area of finances and what it means to be a, a bringer into the house of God. And one of the things as a church, I never want to be a person that just settles for a feed me mentality of church. That we're never going to church to say, well, let's see what worship has for me today. Well, let's see if the pastor's got a good message today. You know, it's been a different week. You know, I just want to see what he can feed me today. But we be the type of people that bring our best into the house of God. We honor God with our praise. We honor God with our worship. We are bringing people into the house of God. Can I tell you, a church is on the downswing. It is starting to die when it stops bringing people in the house of God. When it starts to fix it eyes on, their eyes on just themselves and what can this church do for me rather than, hey, I'm equipping you to reach the city. So in order to reach the city, you got to bring the city to the house of God. But not only that, but as you're going out in the city, talk to people about God. Talk to people about church. Talk to people about Jesus. Well, I don't really know what to say. Hey, you can just start with this. Hi, my name's Eli. <laughs> you can start with that, but the Holy Spirit will go before you in those. And what I found is that you never really know what to say because you've never really tried it. And it's usually after you step out and you start talking to people about God, you start talking to them about Jesus, that you actually see the Holy Spirit start to put words and anoint the words on your life. And if we believe what we really believe, and I do, that the Holy Spirit actually goes before us and prepares hearts for our interactions, that the Holy Spirit wants them to be saved more than you do. The Holy Spirit wants them to be in the house of God more than you do. And if you really believe that the Holy Spirit has gone before you and paved the way, are you really doing the heavy lifting or are you just being obedient and seeing the fruit? So as a church, we never want to be one that is complacent, sitting back in our seat, just saying, just feed me. This church is here to equip you, but this church is also here for the lost. We want to be bringers at My City Church, bringers of people, bringers of resources so that we can reach this city. That's what it means to be a bringer. And I want to talk to you about this idea of, of these. I got four different mindsets. I got four more mindsets, four more mindsets for us to talk about today. And the topic of there is more, where that came from, the first one I want to talk to you about is, are you entrusted or entitled with the resources that God has given you? Are you entrusted or entitled? Am I a steward of something that has been given to me? What is the difference between entrusted or entitled? I could look at it this way, is that an entitled person looks at it as they deserve to have it, 
that when they're, when they're serving of their times or their talents, they're thinking, well, you're, you're lucky to have me uh, anyway, so I'm just going to show up a few minutes late because you're good to have me, and they leave early because they're entitled. They deserve it. Or are you entrusted? Are you entrusted with the resources that God's given you? It's the difference between a steward, being a steward of something, versus being, hey, I deserve this being prideful for something. Last week, we talked about pride and poverty mindset. Kind of goes along the same thing, entrusted or entitled. When you see who really is the owner of what I have. One person said to me, like 10%, Eli, that just seems like so much to give to God. Really? Because I really think the 90% that he let us keep is a lot. Because he has given us the ability to produce wealth. He has given us the ability that are we really earning this or did he give us the ability to produce it so we're stewards of what God has given us. And if we get so enthralled in our own mindset of what this does for me, we miss the purposes in the kingdoms of God. And I can show this from, to you from a story that Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. This is the parable of the rich man, one of the many rich men that Jesus talked to that he never really mentioned that their wealth being bad. Remember that. We talked about that last week. It says, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to invite the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, to the whole crowd, he's basically, then he turned, looked to the crowd, and he said this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed. That means that there's a, there's, there's a stingy type of greed as well, that I know people that they save a whole lot of money. They're not just looking, they're not just holding on to it. They're just holding on to it and they're saving so much of it and they're not even letting go. There's a greed that does that. There's a greed with my time that I'm not very generous with my time. Well, I got things to do, people to see, places to go. I can't talk to you. And with their resources, with their talents, with their treasures and everything, all kinds of greed. A man does not consist Understand this today. We talked about this on week one. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Remember that it was purpose is not found in the accumulation of possessions, but in the distribution of blessings. And he told them this parable. This is the parable that Jesus is speaking to the people. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. What's he doing? He is not considering the one who gave it to him in the, in the first place. He is considering the resource, not the source. Who gave him those crops? Who made those crops grow? He says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you got plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Am I entrusted or entitled? This man was entitled with everything that he had. I've done this. I need a place for this. I've earned this. I'm going to do this with it. This man was entitled. Now, 
when you have a kid, you kind of understand like entitled mindsets when you give them a gift. This is my, they were fighting over the elephant the other day, weren't they? There was Eva's elephant. And they were fighting over this stuffed elephant. And she just kept saying, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Well, I remember back then, she, Eva was about two or three years old. We moved her out of the crib room because Winston moved into that room. And we, we got her this bed. It was one of those box mattresses. Anyone ever bought the box mattresses, mattress before? No one? No one's ever bought those mattress in a box? Well, I bought it, and it came in. We, we picked it up, and then you cut it, and then it starts to inflate like a little balloon. So it was kind of fun. They got to see what was going on. But we didn't have a, a bed for her. We had the mattress, but no bed. So we just put it on the ground. And she was sleeping on the floor basically for a year. And I didn't realize that. I said, be, be thankful and grateful that you got a bed to sleep in. You know, there's some people that have to sleep on the floor. But uh, we ended up getting her a bunk bed. And I went to Nebraska Furniture Mart, the Mart, and I, I brought it into the, the house. And I set it all up. And she said these words. She goes, Papa, thank you for my bunk bed. And I go, oh, you're so welcome, sweetie. Thank you for your bed. You know what? That's, you, you know what? I just want to be able, you to be happy. And she goes, actually... It's your bed. You're just letting me sleep in it. I go, yeah, yeah, I'm letting you sleep with it. And then she always goes around. She goes around, Papa, this is your house, and you let me stay in it. There's a different type of mindset that realizes that the Father is providing for you to enjoy. When I realize that everything that I've been given, I've been entrusted with, that it's not ultimately mine, because why? I can't take it with me when I'm gone. If it's yours, you can take it with you when you're gone. Are you entrusted or entitled? And I want to share from you Deuteronomy chapter 8, 6 that speaks a little bit more to this. This is right before the people went into the promised land. Uh, God is speaking to the people. Moses is speaking to the people what God has told him. He says, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land with streams and pools of water, with springs overflowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, oil, olive, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. That sounds like a good land. When you have eaten and are satisfied, here's the big point right here. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. It's not yours, it's his. He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when, there's a, here's the point right here. When you eat and are satisfied, you will become entitled when you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiply, then your heart will become proud, entitled, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 15. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with his venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, this is the verse we used in week one, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and confirms his covenant with you, which he swore to his forefathers and to today. He has given it to you. Don't forget him. God has given it to you. I want you to remember to bring the tithe into the storehouse. Tithing helps us remember God. 
Tithing helps us to remember God. If we're not remembering God, it's not long before we forget him and all that he's done for us and we become entitled. Before we go into the next point, I actually have a song that I want to share with you uh, this morning. See if you can guess what song it is. Stop. Any of you guys know that song? Huh? Vanilla Ice. How's it go? Listen, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back, bad new mission, something. There you go. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's, let's keep playing that. Let's keep playing that. is that it was actually from the Queen David Bowie hit 1981 song called Under Pressure. Vanilla Ice, this is what they have in the music industry. You have this term called sampling. Vanilla Ice, when he went and he sampled David Bowie's song, sampled the bass chord for that song. In 1990, he released Ice Ice Baby, which became a most popular song of that day in that time period. It was a one-hit wonder. Popular song. Well, Queen, David Bowie, they end up suing Vanilla Ice because Vanilla Ice used the bass chord for his song. He sampled something that belonged. And what happened was that after they sued him, Vanilla Ice settled for the tune of $4 million to Queen David Bowie for, so that he wouldn't have to pay royalties for sampling the song that David Bowie designed. But what we do with God is that we sample what he has given us and we never give in return any royalties that God is saying, if it came from me and I gave it to you, all you gotta do is just acknowledge that I bless you. That's all I'm asking for, just something in return to say God has been faithful with me and that God has blessed me. Acknowledge where it came from. And I want to move into point number two. I, I got I to gotta rush through this because I, I really went through long there. But the next one is relationship or reluctance. Do you give out a relationship or reluctance? For God so loved the world that he prayed for them. That he wrote them a poem called Footprints in the Sand. No, he didn't. For God so loved the world that he gave because love gives love gives when I bought my wife a wedding ring I gave it to her and I I did not have a whole lot of money I was an intern of four days a week and then one day at church so five days a week I didn't have any money so we went to buy it at Hellsburg and I bought the ring and I took out five thousand dollars and I went to Seoul's pawn shop and I decided not to buy it there no, I didn't do that. <laughs> we went to Hellsburg because love gives. Love gives. This moment, this, in a few weeks, we have a project called I Love My City. We have the opportunity to give back to this city. 
to sow back into this city. If you haven't gotten registered yet, August 28th, stop by the Connect Corner right after service and sign up for one of the many projects that we have. We are here to, we are gonna activate this church to serve this city. We got all sorts of things. We're gonna be building beds for children that don't have beds. We're gonna be serving this area. We're gonna be serving the post right over here where they've opened up a venue for us to have our kids. We're gonna be serving different areas of Sienna Francis House, different areas throughout the city of Omaha. There's all these places that you can sign up to give back because love gives. Love gives joyfully, it gives generously. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, that each man, each of you, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We give. Jesus didn't die for you because he had to. He died for you because he got to. He chose to, because relationship gives not out of reluctancy or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. You know, I wonder if it could also say a cheerful giver loves God. A cheerful giver loves God. Moving to point number three, obedience or optional. Is giving obedient, obedience to the word of God or optional? I want to be the type of preacher. Now, this could be a little bit of a sermon. And if you're new to church and this is your first Sunday, we don't always talk about money. Jesus did, I mean, 30% of the time. Um, but I do believe it plays a big part in your life. But if you have the mindset, well, all the church ever does is talk about money. Well, it's a big part of our lives. So don't you think that we should speak to the big parts of our lives or should we just ignore it and just act like it doesn't matter? So that's why we're speaking to it right now. But is it obedience or optional? As a preacher, I always want to do what God has told me to do, not what people like. And I want to be able to speak to things that some people may not want to hear, but I know God wants to say. It takes faith to put God first. You got to decide what you're going to do before you even get it to put God first. Decisions are important. You don't decide. You got to decide to give before you ever have a chance, but I want to be obedient. Now, I didn't decide to snort Coke before I got on stage today. It's just wrong to snort Coke before you preach and other times. I didn't decide not to I made up my mind before I ever even had the chance that I'm not going to go down that path. But you got to make up your mind before it's ever in your hand what you're going to do with it. Otherwise, what you'll find is that I'll give some to my mortgage. I'll give some to my car. I'll give some to my private education. I'll give some to my debt, credit card payment, and some to my TV. And I'll find that there is nothing left for God. But you got to decide beforehand before you ever get it. That first 10%, that first fruits goes to God. So every time when I get paid, I, I do it. I use the church center app and I go on my phone. Every time I get a paycheck, right before I deposit it in the bank, I go on my phone, I deposit it right before that money hits the bank account. Because I, I don't want the option to be able to choose something other than God first. Second Timothy 6, 7 says this. This is what I want to share with you and why I felt like the need to be able to talk on this topic today. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. It says, command, not suggest, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. All you guys thinking about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. But if really in our lives, like we are pretty well to do with compared to the world. We are. And like I said last week, 
Giving is the greatest way to fight arrogance, our selfishness and greed within our lives. It says, be generous, willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up for themselves treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted. There's that word, entrusted to your care. It says, do not be angry, arrogant. Now, what I found is that you can be arrogant or ashamed of what God has given you. You can go on boasting, but the same goes true that if I give something to my daughter or my son, if I buy a good dress for my daughter and she refuses it not, not to wear it, what does that say? What does that speak to me? I bought her a good dress and she doesn't want to wear it? She's ashamed of what I gave her? Don't be ashamed, but don't be arrogant either. Let's recap. What, is the fir- what was the first one? You guys remember? Entrusted or entitled. What was the second one we had? Relationship or reluctance. And the third one, you remember? Obedience or optional. Obedience or optional. And here's a final point, and uh, we'll be closing here shortly, is multiply or maintain. Multiply or maintain. And this brings us back to that first verse that we talked about with the bread. Jesus, the, the little boy just had five loaves and two fish. And God says, test me in this. He's also saying, trust me with this. Bring it to me. Bring it to me and watch what I'll do. Now, this isn't some kind of magic trick where we just give all that we have away and thinking, well, I'm just gonna run up a bunch of credit card bills and a bunch of credit card debt thinking it's all gonna be fine. No, 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 that's why we have courses available. We wanna be able to teach you and make you a good steward of what God has given you. We have Financial Peace University. That'll start in September. You can stop by the Connect Corner right after service, get signed up for that. We have all sorts of courses. Align and write your life Be a good steward of your life as well as your finances. Don't just think, well, I'm just gonna give it to God and then buy all the stuff that I want and be like, God, I need help to pay my mortgage. You gotta be wise. You gotta find people. What what I've learned is that some of the best advice I've gotten in the area of finances, I've gone to people that have more than me. And I've talked to them and I said, show me how to think like you. How do you see money? How do you see resources? Because how I see it right now is a little bit skewed. Now, don't get me wrong. There's different lives, different people have been able to to produce a lot because of either their gifting, their discipline, uh, the jobs that they have. But at the same time, can you learn from them? Go to them and ask them. Teach me how to think like you. But a prideful person, an arrogant person never learns because they never seek out advice. So we have resources available. We have them for financial peace. We have them for marriage. We have them for pre-marriage. We have all sorts of different courses that you can get signed up for today. They start in September. So what are you waiting for? Be the type of person that says, no, I'm gonna decide today. I'm gonna decide today, either give God what's his, either align my life, either, hey, my marriage has been struggling, so I'm gonna get in a marriage course, or we're getting married, so I'm gonna be getting pre-marriage. Decide today. Quit procrastinating. We can stand to your feet. We're, we're closing here. And I want to share for you, with you 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. We just talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And this is one of the most powerful scriptures on giving in the New Testament. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you 
so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, how, how much does that cover? All. All that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's what we talked about, that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, not for yourself, but for others. We had talked about that earlier, that everything that you have was meant to glorify God. That if you can't take it with you, what are you doing right now to make an impact for eternity? We talked about it. Thanksgiving to God. Let's go back. Let's backtrack real quick. John chapter 6, verse 5, and, and we'll close right here. Let's go down to the bottom. It says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? Do not discredit the power of what God has given you to make the impact that what God has called you to do. Don't discredit it. Well, what is it among so many? Doesn't matter. Jesus is saying, bring it to me. Bring it to me and watch what I could do with it. It'll only go so far. You know what? I have all these things. If I just keep them all, you know what it'll be? Just that and that alone. But you have to make a decision one time, two times, three times. Every time that you get something, you think, you know what? God, you've given me this much. 10% of it is yours. Because I would rather have 10% and live under God's blessing than 100% and outside of it. He says that he will rebuke the devourer concerning you for your sake. Test me in this. Trust me in this. But what we do is we like to trust what we have, the five loaves and two fish. Can I tell you, that will run out eventually. Do you, in your hardest of hearts, trust the resource that you have in your hands or the source that gives you the resource? They brought the bread to the bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Let's recap real quick. What we had, we had four points. Four points it was entrusted or entitled, relationship or reluctance, obedience or optional, multiply or maintain. Well, let's flip it. God is saying that there's more. There's more where that came from. When you flip your mindset on money and you flip it and you don't just look at what you have, but you look at the source rather than the resource, Jesus is saying, bring it to me because there's more where that came from. Do you believe it? Do you believe it today? There is more. Money to God is just a number. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has, you know, it's just a number to God. But to us, sometimes it's everything. And God doesn't want money to be everything to us. He wants to be everything to us. And sometimes money gets in the way. And you have the choice. Am I going to let money get in the way? Or am I going to give some of it? It's just 10% to get your eyes on God. Be generous. Command those to be rich in good needs to be generous. So right now, that's what I'm saying to you. This is what God is saying to us and I am saying to you today. Will you be generous today? My whole life, I've tried to be generous since I was a little kid. God started working on me. He said, Eli, make it 12%. Make it 
And then up until we took this position, I was giving 20%, sometimes 25% of my income back to God, to the church and then other things, other ministries around the world, other things around that. I'd always give 10% to the church, another 10% to the church, and then 5% other. I don't say that to brag. I say that God is faithful. God is faithful and I trust him. And I want you to be able to trust him today. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for the people of my city church. God, I pray that we'd fix our eyes on you. God, that we would know you. God, that we would look to you as our source, that we wouldn't trust our resource. God, but we would trust the source that you give. God, that we'd keep our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, let us trust you with everything that you've given us, God. Help us to see you, God, in this. God, that we wouldn't let money have us, God, but we would have money and that we may abound in every good work. God, I thank you. God, bless your people. Go before them. Give them business contracts. Give them dealings. God, go before them in every endeavor they put their hand to, God. We pray that they would have favor with you and with man. God, with every business they're opening up, God, with every employment that they have. God, that they would put their trust in you, God, who richly provides for everything that we need. God, we love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on, put your hands together for the word of God this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.